There's never been a more important time to ensure your immune system is operating at its peak. This is Dr. Ronald Hoffman with a new natural solution from Future Farm Botanicals created exclusively to help promote a better immune response. Elderberry with Zinc and Echinacea. Future Farm's Elderberry with Zinc and Echinacea is the first to combine these three powerful ingredients together. Elderberry is packed with antioxidants, vitamins, and may boost your immune system. Echinacea has been shown to activate chemicals in the body that decrease inflammation, and zinc activates T lymphocytes. Low zinc has been associated with increased susceptibility. For more information and order, call 888-841-7216. That's 888-841-7216, or go to myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. That's future, P-H-A-R-M, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Elderberry with zinc and echinacea is all natural, science-based, and works without adverse side effects. myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Welcome to Intelligent Medicine. I'm your host, Layla Mutin. I have a practice in New York City. I'm available in person, via telephone, via telehealth, all of that. If you'd like to make an appointment, call the office at 212-779-1744. That's 212-779-1744. If you don't already subscribe, to the free Intelligent Medicine newsletter, you can do so, and you can unsubscribe anytime if you wish. Just go to drhoffman.com and sign up for the Intelligent Medicine newsletter. So if you want to email me with questions, topics of interest that you'd like to hear me talk about on this program, the email is radioprogram at aol.com. That's radioprogram at AOL.com. So, the fitter you are, the better you you burn fat. This is according to new research. It is new research, what I'm reporting here to you now, but we've known this, and I I will get into that with my sidebars as I read this to you, as I talk about this with you. There are two new studies from Bath, England. Physiologists find that the biggest predictors of people's ability to burn fat are their biological sex and fitness levels. So females who are fit and healthy tend to burn more fat when they exercise than men, according to new research from a team of sports nutritionists. The research comprising Two new studies from academics led by the University of Bath's Center for Nutrition, Exercise, and Metabolism analyzed the factors that most influenced individuals' capacity to burn body fat when undertaking endurance sports. How the body burns fat is important to all of us for good metabolic health, insulin sensitivity, and in reducing the risk of developing type 2 diabetes. You know, exercise, in my opinion, is a prescription for reducing metabolic abnormalities. 
like prediabetes and type 2 diabetes, metabolic syndrome, all of that. But for endurance sport competitions, such as running or cycling, how the body burns fat can make the difference between success and failure. Previous research from the same team has shown for endurance athletes competing in distance events, the body's carbohydrate stores deplenish quickly when exercising. Wow, deplenish. I guess in Great Britain they'll use a word like deplenish. Never used that before. Instead of diminish quickly. But yeah, and then you need to replenish your glycogen, right? So for endurance athletes and distance events, the body's carbohydrate stores deplenish quickly when exercising. They do. This mean, <clears throat> this means that an athlete's ability to tap into their fat reserves to fuel them on becomes essential to their performance. That's why many exercisers, you have, if you decide to go from uh, a, a mostly glucose carbohydrate burning metabolism to a fat ketogenic burning metabolism, when you go keto, you want, you have to give yourself a little time to keto adapt because remember the glycogen stores and for those elite athletes who even enhance the uptake of glycogen in their bodies, they train in a way and they eat in a way to enhance more glycogen storage even. But I want to remind everyone who's not an elite, elite athlete, that's most of us, right? that we are not meant to be putting back all these carbohydrates all the time after exercise, especially if you're trying to maintain your weight or lose some weight. You don't want to replete or replenish those glycogen stores because storing glycogen is phase one of fat storage. You store glycogen first. After that, you store fat. So, uh, this means that an athlete's ability to tap into their fat reserves becomes essential for their performance after using up that stored glycogen. The first study published in the International Journal of Sports Nutrition and Exercise Medicine involved 73 healthy adults aged from 19 to 63 years of age. They were 41 men and 32 women. It tested the lifestyle and biological factors for optimal fat burning by asking participants to take part in a cycling fitness test and measuring key indicators. Their results found that females and those who were physically fitter right across the age ranges burnt more fat. So they burnt more fat more efficiently while they exercised. Well, listen, uh, before even going on in, into this, I will tell you that we know that your muscle is like a metabolic furnace. It likes to burn calories and lots of them, which is exactly what you want. Also, when you're trying to lose weight, 
<clears throat> so you were burning fat faster and better when you have more lean muscle mass to do that faster and better burning up of fat stores of calories. So the second related paper published in the journal Experimental Physiology took the stage further to explore what molecular factors in our muscles and fat tissue determine how fat is burnt. This experiment involved the researchers taking fat and muscle biopsies from participants to analyze how differences in the proteins in fat and muscle tissue might affect their ability to burn fat. It found that the proteins in muscle that are involved in breaking down stored fat into the smaller fatty acids and proteins involved in transporting those fatty acids into the mitochondria in muscle, you know the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cells, consistently correlated with a greater ability to burn fat. The molecular factors explored did not explain why females burned more fat than males, however. Well, this is interesting because you would imagine, or I would imagine, that because men have more testosterone than women, that they will retain more lean body mass and they will be able to burn more fat. This is very interesting. So the lead author on both of these papers at Bath explains, quote, our study found that females typically have a greater reliance upon fat as a fuel source during exercise than males. Understanding the mechanisms behind these sex differences in fuel use may explain why being female seems to confer a metabolic advantage for insulin sensitivity an important marker of metabolic health. The researchers note that the ability to burn fat as a fuel appears to protect against future weight gain, ensuring good weight management. However, they caution that the body's ability to burn fat should not be equated with an ability to lose weight. Oh. Oh, I can't believe they wrote this. Here, listen to this next sentence. Losing weight is primarily produced by an energy deficit, consuming fewer calories than we expend. For weight loss in particular, where individuals might be overweight, they stress the importance of diet and exercise. That's unfortunate. It was interesting that they were looking at the, gen the gender differences and finding that females had a tendency to burn more fat than males. I find that interesting. I would like to delve deeper into, you know, more of, of, of how they came to that conclusion. But unfortunately, when they started talking about, you know, eat less calories than you burn to lose weight, yeah, that'll work, but that's really dinosaur nutrition. And the type of calorie determines its metabolic fate. Let me repeat, the type of calorie determines its metabolic fate. When you eat a fat or protein calorie, you will tend to burn it unless you eat way, way, way too many calories a day, of course. But if you eat a carbohydrate calorie, you will tend to store it as fat. It has to do 
with propagating the release of insulin, <clears throat> insulin in balance with glucagon, with a, which is a fat storage hormone, and all of that. It's a delicate dance between the hormones. Um, another researcher from the university added, weight management is mainly about energy balance. So to lose weight, oh no, we need to eat fewer calories than we expend through our resting metabolism and physical activity. Yeah, yeah, you want to go old school this way, but it's harder to do. Because who wants to eat fewer calories? You know what you what happens when you eat fewer calories? You're hungry. How long do you want to go hungry before you start becoming irritable and hangry? That's hungry and angry. Hangry. Uh, they go on to say, however, people with higher ability to burn fat as fuel seem to be somewhat protected against future weight gain, which might be related to how fat burning affects food intake and energy expenditure. Ultimately, a greater capacity to burn fat as fuel has potential benefits for endurance athletes by delaying the time point when they run out of precious carbohydrate stores. Listen, it is true, and especially when you keto adapt and say you go run a marathon, uh, you're burning fat continuously for your fuel, so you don't have to be so concerned about replenishing glycogen stores. Although, depending on the distance, the amount of time you're doing it, you may increasingly hit a wall that you may need some glycogen, some carbohydrate burning while, while you're in that race. It is true. And everybody's, everybody's biochemistry is a little unique when it comes to that. Now, there's, um, certainly there's a way to eat, but when you're keto adapted, you basically want to make sure you're taking in enough calories as you would be anyway, because there is no such thing as going hungry on these eating, you know, when, you, when you're on a ketogenic diet or a very low carb diet, you are not counting calories. You're not doing anything like that. You're letting your body naturally adapt to the food that you're eating. And what happens is by reducing all those carbohydrates you were eating before, I'm talking primarily Refined carbohydrates, not good carbohydrates like your vegetables and some fruit and things like that, right? So when you reduce your intake of that, naturally your insulin levels go down, glucagon, the fat burning hormone can come out, and then you're basically burning fat for your energy, which is a good thing. And that's really where you want it to go. That's really where you want it to go. So... It's interesting that they saw a difference between the genders. And to, to kind of dovetail off of this about the fitter you are, the better you burn fat, there's also new research reveals why some of us are hungry all the time. And this is alluding to these final points that I made about how much carbohydrate that we're eating. A study was published in Nature Metabolism, and is from PREDICT, P-R-E-D-I-C-T. It's the acronym, and it's called PREDICT, the largest ongoing nutritional research program in the world that looks at responses to food in real-life settings. The research team from King's and Health Science Company, ZOE, Z-O-E, found why some people struggle to lose weight. 
even on calorie-controlled diets, and highlighting the importance of understanding personal metabolism when it comes to, to diet and health. Before I even go on here, what they say here, found why some people struggle to lose weight even on a calorie-controlled diet, right? So the calories matter less if you're insulin-resistant. You can go on a low-calorie diet and still not lose weight if 50% of the calories you're eating are coming from carbohydrates. So, and that's why. So the research team collected detailed data about blood sugar responses and other markers of health from 1,070 people after eating standardized breakfasts and freely chosen meals over a two-week period, adding up to more than 8,000 breakfasts and 70,000 meals in total. The standard breakfasts were based on muffins containing the same amount of calories, but varying in composition in terms of carbohydrates, protein, fat, and fiber. Participants also carried out a fasting blood sugar response test, a blood sugar response test. This is an oral glucose tolerance test to measure how well their body processes sugar. Participants wore stick-on continuous glucose monitors. Hey, CGMs, continuous glucose monitors, are all the range are all the rage now. So these participants wore stick-on CGMs to measure their blood sugar levels over the entire duration of the study, as well as a wearable device to monitor activity and sleep. They also recorded levels of hungrier of hunger and alertness using a phone app, along with exactly when and what they ate over the day. Previous studies looking at blood sugar after eating have focused on the ways that levels rise and fall in the first two hours after a meal, known as blood sugar peak. However, after analyzing the data, the PREDICT team noticed that some people experience significant sugar dips two to four hours after this initial peak. They, people experience significant hypoglycemia two to four hours after the initial peak, where their blood sugar levels fell rapidly below baseline before coming back up. That's called hypoglycemia. That's called low blood sugar. Big dippers, as they're calling them, also ate 75 more calories in the three to four hours after breakfast and around 312 calories more over the whole day than the little dippers. This kind of pattern could potentially turn into 20 pounds of weight gain over a year. Yeah, what happens if you're hungry two hours after a breakfast of a muffin? You're hungry again, so you're going to eat more, and you're going to eat more calories. And of course, that will, that will put on weight over the long term. It has long been suspected that blood sugar levels play an important role in controlling hunger, but the results from previous studies have been inconclusive. Well, not that inconclusive. I disagree. However, we've now shown that sugar dips are a better predictor of hunger and subsequent calorie intake than the initial, than the initial blood sugar peak response after eating, changing how we think about the relationship between blood sugar levels and the food we eat. Well, I don't know why they would say that. 
Because if your blood sugar is going to go that high, insulin is going to do its very important job, being secreted by the pancreas, to come out and bring that blood sugar lower. But when the blood sugar is that high, more insulin is going to be pumped out, causing the big dipper, as they're calling hypoglycemia. So researchers who led the study said many people struggle to lose weight and keep it off, and just a few hundred extra calories every day can add up to several pounds of weight gain over a year. Absolutely it can. Our discovery that the size of sugar dips after eating has such a big impact on hunger and appetite has a great potential for helping people understand and control their weight and long-term health. Yeah. Comparing what happens when participants eat the same test meals revealed large variations in blood sugar responses between people. Yes, there are varying degrees of glucose intolerance. There are varying degrees of insulin resistance. There are varying degrees of hyperinsulinemia. The researchers also found no correlation between age, body weight, or BMI and being a big or little dipper, although males had slightly larger dips than females on average. There was also some variability in the size of the dips experienced by each person in response to eating the same meals on different days, that suggesting that whether you're a dipper or not depends on individual differences in metabolism, as well as the day-to-day effects of meal choices and activity levels. Choosing foods that work together with your unique biology could help people feel fuller for longer and eat less overall. Absolutely. That's part of what I do every day as a dietitian. Lead author on the study says, the study shows how wearable technology can provide valuable insights to help people understand their unique biology and take control of their nutrition and health. By demonstrating the importance of sugar dips, hypoglycemia, our study paves the way for data-driven, personalized guidance for those seeking to manage their hunger and calorie intake in a way that works, that works with rather than against their body. Again, they talk about calorie intake. Your calories will be reduced when you adopt a more low-carb eating pattern because you won't have those nasty sugar dips, a.k.a. hypoglycemia. So they conclude that food is complex and humans are complicated. Yeah. But our research is finally starting to open up the black box between diet and health. We're excited to have been able to turn this cutting-edge science into an at-home nutrition and microbiome test so that everyone has the opportunity to discover their unique responses to food to best support their metabolism and gut health. So as I said earlier, continuous glucose monitoring seems to be all the rage. And more people have them, not just diabetics. And they're really interested in how their numbers go up and down all day long. And they see how much control they have with what they eat. I want to thank you for joining me on another edition of Layla Ways In here on Intelligent Medicine. This is Layla Mutin, RD. I see patients regularly, along with Dr. Hoffman. If you require a nutrition consult with me but live out of town, there's no need to travel to New York City. 
I have telephone consultations with clients from all over the country. Please visit drhoffman.com for more information. And to set up an appointment, call 212-779-1744. That's 212-779-1744. I look forward to being a collaborator in your health care.